0: And we're live. Hello. Welcome. Welcome to another episode of the podcast, episode 81. We are going to talk about choosing the right truck for your operation. A lot of people have asked a lot of questions about how to spec a truck, how to choose a truck. What is the best truck to use? Um, There's lots of different answers for that. But uh, we're going to talk about how we choose trucks. Why we choose trucks, why we choose the trucks that we choose, um, and we'll talk about tires and gears and engines and transmissions, and yeah you know, we'll talk about brands and all that kind of stuff. Um, let's go ahead and get some business out of the way here. Um, if you are looking for an opportunity and you want to seize that opportunity, uh, go to driveforblueribbon dot com and click on Drive for us and you can fill out the form there, and that's a basic application, and give us some contact information, and we'll get in touch with you and set up an interview. We, we have some available trucks, and we're going to continue to have available trucks, and we need people that are uh, that have the right attitude and have the, uh, the right mindset that want to come and take an advantage of an opportunity to come here and learn the Landstar system and learn how we do business, learn how to be profitable, and set yourself up to be a successful owner-operator. It's not hard to become an owner-operator. It's real hard to stay an owner-operator. So um, I don't guess we really have any previous uh, things to catch up on, so I guess we can dive right into this presentation. What do you think?
1: yeah we can Uh, let's just kind of restate though the primary goal and, and i've said this many many times everything that i do that's business related is all about one thing and that's the bottom line you know so all the decisions that we make we don't decide things because the way we feel today or because something maybe is more popular or whatever we look at only one thing and that is, you know, the dollars, you know, because we're in business and business is only, you know, has only one purpose and that's produce revenue. And so, um, when it doesn't, it becomes a charity, not a business. And we're definitely not in that, in that business. So, right. so everything we're talking about today, the bottom line is the bottom line. And so, uh, when you start thinking, well, why, um, just, Remember that that's going to be the answer the reason why so so yeah, we we've had um, a lot of people have asked and of course You know, we have this nickname this moniker now being the lunatics and so we kind of refer to our our program as you know the lunatic type of truck and so Let's uh, let's let's get into it and and we'll um, We'll start explaining how how we're doing it. So tonight's program is truck specs one-on-one and we're going to discuss those primarily those four things right there and um uh, and in, in relation to how it helps you stay in business so um the um the verse page and again i refer to this as the lunatics and if you want to hear the story about that there's a whole podcast about that but um we kind of have adopted that and and uh and, and instead of it being something that was meant derogatorily where we're kind of uh, we're kind of wearing it as on our on our sleeve as a as a badge of honor, you know, and and the reason this is a big deal is because we don't do things like most people do, and so that's why we got called the lunatics to begin with. But there's a reason we don't do things the way most people do. So, um, here's how we tell people to become a lunatic. And when we start looking at at trucks, these are the the This is the first thing we look at when we're looking at a truck. Is we want it to be 07 or older, uh, an aerodynamic freightliner or Volvo. By aerodynamic, we mean typically not a classic or not a um, e- even the semi aerodynamic, even even the um, oh help me Chris the uh, Con- uh, uh, Coronado you know would right, would yeah. would be you know wouldn't wouldn't be our first choice because again aerodynamics play a big part of it and then with speed limits, what they are today, and fuel costs, what it is today, people are driving faster, and the faster you drive, the more aerodynamics play a role in things. So uh, typically we're looking at centuries and Columbia's and the Volvo six series. Um, The only reason we throw Volvo in there is because from 1999 to 2001, you could get a Detroit series 60 engine and a Volvo. It's the only three years you can get it. That's the only three years we even would recommend. Not that we actually even recommend that, but it is an acceptable truck. It it, it checks all the boxes, you know. So, um, obviously, we want you to do the homework on the truck. There's lots of things you can do nowadays to find out about trucks. Number one, you could go to the manufacturer and in any type of um, service work that has been done to the truck at a dealership, it'll, it'll be uh, available to you. <clears throat> um, obviously, we want you to, to check it out on RigDig. Um, if you have heard of that, it's called RigDig.com. It's basically Carfax for big trucks and you can find out all the previous owners, a lot of information, whether or not it's ever been in an accident, um, all the roadside inspections and what it was pulled over for. There's quite a bit of information there you can gain on the truck. If you're buying it from an individual, which we do recommend by the way. Uh, try to get as much of the service history that, that they have, you know, uh, many times I've bought a truck and come home with a whole, whole pile of, uh, of receipts. And that lets me know exactly what's done to that truck as best you can. Um, I love it when guys tell me that, oh, we're, we're, we're our truck has been, it's only got a hundred thousand miles on the in frame. And my question is, okay, where's the paperwork? Because if there's no paperwork, there's no end frame, in my opinion. So right. that's what I mean by doing your homework on the truck. Um, we want to make sure that obviously that is DOT and Landstar compliant as close as you can get it, because if it's not, you're going to have to get it that way. And so um, it just, if it's already that way, it just saves you some money. Uh, if not, there's a negotiating um, leverage angle from that point of standpoint. Um, and the big thing we're going to talk about tonight is only buy a truck that's correctly spec'd for fuel mileage for your operation. Uh, because all trucks are not created created equal and just because the truck you know looks good or is in good shape or whatever, if you don't have any idea what the specs are on that truck, you know the, the axle weights and, and, the, and the gear ratios and things like that, there's it's very expensive to correct that if you buy it wrong almost to the point where you can't correct it. you know you just got to basically you know get rid of the truck. You can't you've never overcome, the, uh, the, the cost that fuel is going to cost you if you buy a truck that's specced for, say, heavy haul or logging or something that you're not going to be doing. And if you're listening to us, you're probably going to be doing what we do, and that is general freight in 48 states. And we're looking for a truck over the road that gets good fuel mileage. And the last thing is don't believe anything the previous owner tells you because if his lips are moving, he's probably lying. 100%. So, verify everything. And we have had, we've got plenty of podcasts that relate (laughs) specific incidents of this and, uh, and, uh, how we have come to believe in this. Okay. So that's, that's in general, what we're looking at. Okay. Um, this term lunatic and looking at our, our business model more, you know, more specifically, our idea of being in business is to minimize risk. And, um, the best way to minimize, minimize risk is to have no debt. So our suggestion is pay cash for your truck. Uh, with no truck payment, there's no pressure. So if, uh, if you need to take off, if you have an emergency at home or whatever the reason is, if there's no truck payment, there's no pressure. And, um, that makes a big difference when you, especially when you're doing this for the first time and everything you're doing is the first time you've ever done it. You know, you've never looked for loads before. You've never had to dispatch yourself before. You know, all these things you're going to do for the first time when you buy your first truck, Um, you know, pressure is already there. And then if you have a situation where, like we had this year, where the pandemic hits and rates go to hell in a handbasket, having no truck payment would kept a lot of people in business. And having a big truck payment put a lot of people out. Um, there's a very low entry barrier by buying the trucks that we recommend buying. Uh, we very much lower the risk because of that. You're not spending a bunch of money on a truck. Um, our business model lowers your cost per mile and your cost for doing business because there again, you're not spending a lot of money for a truck. Uh, because you don't have a high cost per mile, there's a lot more loads that you can choose from. Um, if your cost per mile is $2.50 a mile, then you can't take that load or you, if you do it, it loses money. If your cost per mile is a dollar, then you can take almost any load on the load board and make money with it. Um, buying the trucks that we recommend, uh, will lower your maintenance costs because we don't have the high maintenance problematic things like DPF and, and after treatment systems and and a lot of technology that's in trucks now that, are is expensive to maintain or repair when it goes down, so um, by doing by making your first truck be, um, you know an older truck without all those whistles and bells, you're 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 not going to have to pay to fix it. You're not have to pay to keep it up. Um, having the trucks that we. Advocate also gives you many more options for repairs. Um, you don't have to go sit in the Freightliner dealership uh, because every uh, TA and Petro in the country is a authorized Freightliner service point. And there's, you know, hundreds of little shops with mechanics in it that have cut their teeth on 60 series engines and them back and forth. And, um, you know, some of our best shops, actually all of our best shops are not um, factory authorized type shops. They're, they're people who've gone into business for themselves and um, you know have, have got all the, the experience working on these motors and they do it at half the price that we pay to go to a dealership. And of course, this makes this business model work in any economic climate. And this year was a proof of concept for for us, we, not that we didn't already prove it, but for a lot of people who are, lo- who are watching us, they um, saw that not only did we, uh, did we not um, have any problems getting through the pandemic, we actually expanded uh, during the pandemic. And so the bottom line, again, like I said before, is all this generates more profit to you. And after all, that's why I'm here, and I'm sure that's probably
0: why you're here. Chris, you got anything to add
1: to this slide?
0: Um, No, I don't think so. I I was just thinking about we're in a, obviously, we're in a transitional decade where, you know, certainly there's going to come a point where maybe the government is going to make all these trucks illegal. Um, We're a ways away from that. So what this advice that we're giving here, or these these kinds of trucks can be operated in 47 of 48 states. Um, you've got time to get a truck and make all the money that you need. If the day ever came that you'd have to upgrade to a newer, more compliant truck, you can get one of these older trucks at a very, very low cost of entry and make all the money you need to make. You're going to have plenty of time. You know, If you live in California, you're out of luck. If you live anywhere else, you're in good shape. <clears throat>
1: Someone just made a comment about the older trucks not being Qualcomm compliant. Uh, you'd have to go pretty far back, um, you know. You'd have to go to mechanical engine before it would be uh, not uh, Qualcomm. Yeah. You can put a Qualcomm in about anything now. You know, we're not advocating buying mechanical engines at all, not at right. all. So you know, and, and in practicality, you know, these, the reason we went to two thousand seven is because. When we started this program, we were advocating 2003 and older. But they're just getting so hard to find. And they're hard to find without having to spend a bunch of money doing reconditioning stuff on the cab and the interior and the dash and stuff like that. So we moved to 07 because we now have got EGR pretty much hand, you know, control. We can fix EGR. It isn't, isn't that big of a deal. So, you know, we're, you're probably looking at a 99 to 2007 realistically. Now, that doesn't mean if you find a... Old truck that you really really like, I'd by all means put it on. But you can't put it on Landstar unless it will accept a Qualcomm. And any truck that's got a that's got a uh, ECM or it's a computerized engine, not a mechanical engine, it will accept an ECM. So it, it doesn't eliminate very many
0: trucks now. You're you're yeah. looking back to about ninety three, yeah. You know, yeah. ninety three with Detroit, <clears throat> probably ninety five with with and Cats. You know, but if if it has a uh, a diagnostic port with a six pin or a nine pin, it'll take a problem. Right.
1: right. So. Not not a big not not a usually big problem. So anyway, thanks for that question there. So let's talk about engines, transmissions, and differentials. And here I'm going to pass the, the baton to to Chris a little bit, let him talk about this, but. You know we're typically looking for a series 60 12.7 pre-emission, or like I just mentioned, or a 14 liter EGR, which will take you up to 2007. Now be careful with 2008 because that's when um, DPF was introduced. So you actually have to look and make sure when you're in looking in 2007s and 2007s and 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 later make sure that you look it over and 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 make sure that you don't have a DPF. That's, that's not what we want. That will that will completely eliminate a lot of benefits that we're, that we're promoting here. And, and for as far as maintenance costs, reliability, a lot of the things we're going to be talking about. And, Chris, you can talk a little bit about that transition period from twelve seven to 14 and what we run into there as well. Yeah. And then, you know, we recommend the Eaton Fuller 10-speed or 13-speed. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the difference between single and double overdrive. And then we're going to get into gear ratios a little bit. So, Chris, why don't you take the ball and run with it right now?
0: So, just to clear up on the vocabulary here, you know, everybody knows what the engine is, and most people know what the transmission is. The differentials are the two rear axles, and they are assigned a ratio, and that's the number of times that the input shaft turns in relation to the number of times the wheels turn. So a 342, the uh, the input Shaft is going to turn three point four two times for every one time the wheels make a, um, a, a complete revolution. So that's your that's your differential gear ratio. So if you um, if you have like a three hundred and ninety, that gear is going to be spinning faster. So when you when you get up to about uh, about a three hundred and fifty eight, um, you start having just a drag issue because those those gears are bigger and they're moving faster. And you have a lot more moving mass. And so, you really, it says 373, but really 358 is about um, about the lowest gear that you want. Um, three, four, most of the trucks built in the time period that we're talking about were 342 to 358. There were some Super 10s that had 390s in them. And what what mental giant came up with three ninety gears and a super ten? I mean, the things run eighteen hundred miles uh, eighteen hundred rpms at sixty five miles an hour. They're just, you know, they're they're ridiculously uh, geared wrong.
1: Chris, I mean, because uh, I mean, you brought up something I actually forgot to put in the slideshow, but you're right. What we're looking for here with this gear ratio is we want to keep that that Detroit engine, the sweet spot on that motor for fuel mileage is about thirteen hundred rpms, 1325, 1350, somewhere along in there. So all we're looking for with the rear end ratio is to keep the Odom or the uh, the um, tachometer at thirteen hundred or thirteen twenty five or thirteen fifty at the speed you're going to drive. Mm-hmm. So the what happens here is if you get the wrong gear, you're going to be at fifteen hundred rpms riding sixty miles an hour. And, and, and that's not where you want to be for fuel mileage. So again, everything about this thing is for fuel mileage. And everything about fuel mileage is about saving money. But the reason we want the gears to, to be a certain number is so that we can keep that tachometer at your driving speed. You know, for example, a 342, typically that truck is, is geared to drive around 65 miles an hour. Okay. That's about where the sweet spot is on a 342. And, Chris, on a 355, that's going to drop it down to about, about 58 or 62, I'm, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. miles per about hour. 62, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So let me, I just want to clarify that because I didn't put that in the slide. But we're looking, the goal here is to
0: keep your RPMs at the sweet spot. Sorry, go ahead. So, the and, and for the sake of clarity, just, you know, it does not help. You know, Larry's talking about the sweet spot. Well, the sweet spot, if you gear the truck to run 97 miles an hour at 1350, you're pushing so much air resistance. You know, th- th- this is all about balance. You're, you're pushing wind. You're hauling weight. You're fighting gravity. You're fighting air. And this is all about max efficiency. We need the engine to run. We've got to get from point A to point B in the most efficient and economical way possible. And you're fighting the laws of physics. You've got gravity trying to pull you through the asphalt. You've got air trying to push you backwards, right? So we are trying to find um, uh, the, the right uh, gear ratio, transmission setup, engine speed, so that everything is working. Go back at last slide. Um, to to make this run efficiently. So, a 10 speed and a 13 speed. If you've never driven a 13, a 13 just gives you the ability to split the top gears on the high side. So that would be fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth gears. You would get two gears in each hole, and about 200 225 RPM difference. And that just helps you when you're pulling a heel because you've all been pulling a hill on a 10 speed and you drop one gear and it's too much but you try to upshift and it's not enough and you just need another gear in between so the 13 speed is really about helping you stay in that sweet spot and find to get the truck moving at whatever speed you can get it moving so pretty much all the transmissions are overdrives meaning um uh you have you have a you have an input shaft in the transmission, right, that comes from the motor, and the motor is driving that input shaft. And you have an output shaft that goes out to the differentials, okay? Well, you need – what the best thing is to have both of these to run at the exact same speed. That's called direct drive. One-to-one. One. Yeah, one-to-one. One. The input shaft is running – The same number of RPM, so you have no other moving parts. You've got the input shaft connected to the output shaft. You run them one-to-one. You're in direct drive, and you've got less moving mass in the transmission. Well,
1: And there's such a thing as a direct-drive transmission. Right. You can buy a 10-speed direct drive.
0: Right. I'm getting it. Okay. So an overdrive allows you to go faster, but you're not one-to-one anymore. You've got other gears on the output side that are turning faster than this input shaft, and that just is more drag. That's more moving parts. So back in the, in the 2000s, mainly it was Schneider that came out with a setup where they would have a 10-speed uh, direct. So the 10th lat- gear was one-to-one. And then they would put two sixty four rear ends, a really, really high gear ratio, in the back. But that was the most efficient because you were one-to-one. You were in direct drive when you hit the top gear. So when fuel uh, spiked up a few years ago, there was some enterprising and creative owner-operators that figured out how to put a double overdrive 13, a 13 double over, meaning it has two overdrives, not one. What that allowed them to do was change their rear gear ratio up to a 264, a, I think a 279 maybe, but they would actually run the truck in 11th gear, right? So it's it's basically just about moving the gears and things around to get to that most efficient point where you could be in direct drive because at 11th gear in a double overdrive is, is direct. 11th is direct, 12th is overdrive, 13th is overdrive. So you could run the truck at, say, 62 miles an hour in direct drive in 11th gear with a really high gear ratio. Now, of course, you could put it in 13th and run 104, but that defeats the purpose. Um, but but it was all about trying to find this balance. where It's all about, by everything in this is about balance. Balance with the engine. Balance with the transmission. Balance with the rear ends, Balance with the aerodynamic setup. Using air tabs. Using flow below. I mean, these guys um, in the in the late, you know, the late 2000s, uh, it's amazing what some of these guys did with their fuel mileage numbers. And, and what was really cool was when the fuel surcharge came in and we started getting paid for fuel, well, these guys are getting really good fuel mileage. They're getting paid on the fuel. They're making money on the fuel surcharge, you know. So... Um, but But, we learned so much in that period of time about about engines, transmissions, and drive lines to make them to be as efficient as they could be, maximizing aerodynamics, all this other stuff you know uh, Larry's buddy Steve Crohn is the master you know got a what ten year track record of getting ten miles of the gallon mm-hmm. with a international isn't it it's an international mm-hmm. international mm-hmm. um so that's the basics. Now, we're going we're gonna to start getting into why, you know, and, and, and we just talked about it. It's all about fuel because fuels are number one expense. Um, but we just learned so much in the last 10 years. Um, frankly, we learned stuff that the OEMs couldn't give us. You know, why didn't, uh, why didn't the OEMs figure this stuff out? It was us. It was us out here in the market that figured out how to do this stuff. And we just started taking what the OEMs gave us and moving it around and and making it work. So let's go ahead to the next slide. So why do we do this? Well, it's so you can do that without doing this. And if you're listening to this, there's a picture of a guy with a big bag of money. So you can have the money. And the other picture is somebody putting dollar bills in somebody else's hand. Uh, usually, usually, the fuel stops. hand. Right. Petro, <clears throat> T.A., Flying J., you, you're giving so much money to people that you hate. I mean, I, I, I don't know many drivers I've ever run into that just love truck stops. You know, they're a they're necessity, and we're glad they're there. But, you know, I, I do not like giving them money that I could be sending to the house. And Larry has this great analogy well I'm gonna have you do it I want you to do your thing about um, keeping money that you save versus how you know working harder to make more money versus working hard to save money and and how uh, and how that goes
1: well okay so in business there's only two ways to improve your income you can either have more sales or have more money coming in or you can cut out what you spend. In other words you can increase revenue or you can lower expenses one or the other. <clears throat> now a lot of people will think that increasing your revenue is the best way to do it and there's certainly nothing wrong with that. If you can increase your revenue by all means do it. Now in the trucking world that typically means driving more miles um we don't recommend that but even at landstar it's getting more per you know a higher rate per load and and both of those are, are fine that is one way of raising your revenue but here's the thing that most people don't realize is that there is a cost associated with that additional revenue if you drive more miles you're buying more fuel you're putting more miles on the truck you're wearing the tires out. You know, it, it, whatever you do on the revenue side that raises that, that that amount, it also raises your cost of producing that revenue. As opposed to cutting your costs. Because if you cut your costs, well, let's put it this way. If you raise your revenue $10, okay, I'm just going to use little numbers here. If you raise your revenue $10, You know, you're only going to realize what your profit is on that $10 additional revenue. Let's just say your cost is 40%. So now you're only going to get $6 of that $10 of work that you did extra to keep. But let's look at it from the other standpoint. Let's let's say you could cut your cost $10, okay, by whatever means however you can do it. We're going to give you a lot of ideas tonight. But if you if you cut your cost $10, guess what? You get to keep $10. So depending on your cost of sale, you may have to do twice as much in additional revenue or more. I mean, there's a lot of businesses that work on 2%, you know, net profit. Yeah. You have to do a whole lot more revenue to realize the same dollar that you get when you just cut costs. So this is in the trucking business, especially, you know, it's so much more effective to cut your costs than it is to raise your revenue. Because raising your revenue typically means you got to work harder, or you got to drive more miles, or you got to look a lot harder for loads or so whatever it does that you do to raise revenue. There's work involved with that. Yep. Cutting costs typically is just making better decisions for the most part. Educating yourself, you know, getting away from the liar's counter at the truck stop. Okay, and start listening to science instead of listening to myth and Understanding that you we can embrace some of this some of this technology and some of these Strategies and save money and that's what we're really going to get into tonight And that's this whole thing about spec in a truck the reason we make such a big deal about it is because that's usually the number one problem people the mistake that people make when they come to Landstar is they typically were a company driver yesterday. Tomorrow I'm going up to Lone Mountain or wherever, and I'm going to either buy or lease a truck. And all the things we talked about were never discussed with the salesman. Didn't have no idea what the gear ratio is. It just looks nice, and the, the glove box holds is big, you know. So all the reasons that they want to sell the truck are all the wrong reasons to buy it. And that's why we're having this meeting tonight. Is that make you understand that all these decisions matter there are consequences in the decisions that you make and If you're not aware of this, it seems trivial to you start adding it up and wait till You see the chart I'm going to give you a little bit later about uh, about about fuel So the whole point of this is to keep the money in your pocket. That's what this all is about so Let's get back to uh, Back to engines, Chris, and, and, you know, here's the reason why we love the Detroit Series 60. It's not that we're in love with the company, <clears throat> but here, and, and you can take it and run with it, but here's why we want this motor.
0: So the Detroit 60 is just a workhorse. It's just reliable. It's it's easy to work on. Um, you know, the fact that Freightliner, uh, the Freightliner or Daimler bought Detroit, back in 2000-something, 2000 2002 uh, or 2003, um, just kind of added to that because the parts availability is so much better. And CAT, unfortunately, has left the truck market. Uh, the 6NZ is still an awesome engine. The 6NZ is, is capable of fuel mileage, and it makes great power. Um, the, the Cummins N14 is a, is a fantastic engine, um, incredibly reliable, but dollar for dollar, The Detroit just is, uh, you know, it doesn't make the most power. You know, you're not going to go up the hill faster than the guy beside you with that yellow motor. But that's not the point. The point here is to get from A to B in the most economical way possible, spending the least amount of money. Well, if you're going up that hill at 80 miles an hour rolling coal out the smokestacks, that's money. Every time you see a big pu- pu- puff of black smoke coming out of a tailpipe, that is money going out the, at the tailpipe. And, that you know, and, and either, well, I'm, well, I'm not there. Um <laughs> They don't have emissions or after-treatment systems. Uh, now, there are side mode in 2008 uh, when there are, there are series 60s, I think up through 2010, that do have DPFs on. But if you stick with two two thousand seven and older, they're not going to have a DPF. They're easy. They're super easy to work on. Parts are easily found. Parts are low cost comparatively speaking to cats. And uh, I don't have as much experience with Cummins. Uh, our our new uh, mechanic we've been working with he loves the N fourteen. So we may be I don't know. We'll, we we may do some experimenting there. Uh, they can be repaired at service centers, not dealers, not dealerships and they can be modified to get excellent fuel mileage. They're just a good motor. You know, it, they're just, um, you know, I've driven Detroit's most of my career. I've, I've driven the, the Cats and the 6NZs, and I, and I love them. I love that power. Uh, but, I, but I'm but i here to make money. I'm here to, um, to, to, to go out and make as much money as I can with the least amount of input possible and get home to my family.
1: Well, you know, and and here's thing, again to, to restate this. You know, it, it's not that we have a love affair with Detroit or whatever, but here this this motor has been around for a long, long time, yep. and uh, and and again, remember, we're trying to make we're minimizing risk here. Okay, we're tr- we're teaching guys how to go out and buy their first truck, and. You know, the the, the the thing that you need to worry about when you decide to go into business and buying a truck will put you into business immediately is how to stay in business. And expensive parts, expensive repairs, having to, stay, having to spend a week in a dealership will put you out of business in a, in a heartbeat. And uh, most people who fell at Landstar fell because of a major breakdown, okay? They spent too much money for the truck. Now they haven't got any money to spend on a repair. And they didn't have any money to put in maintenance. So we're telling you not to do that. You know, go spend very, very little for the truck so that you've got plenty of money, you know, and and have yourself a maintenance account so you can keep the truck running. Uh, But when you do have a problem, you know, you go to a TA or a Petro and you get it worked on while you're in the restaurant. You know, you don't have to go to the dealership and get in line for three or four days to get it worked on. There's a lot of you know, I've been to many, many, many truck stops or TAs and Petros, and when they find out you've got an older motor, they, there's the guys wanna run out the out the parking lot and help you because they wanna work on that truck as opposed to that other thing inside there that they can't figure out what's wrong with it and they've got fourteen computers hooked to it and nobody can tell why it's doing what it's doing, you know. Yep. So, um it it just it, it you're you're gonna spend less money You're going to be in the shop less. You're going to have, if you do have to find a part, you know, look, we have a Volvo. We have actually have two that are, uh, have Detroit engines. And um, the, uh, you know, we we buy the Detroit stuff. It's just regular parts, you know. Occasionally we have to buy a Volvo part. And Chris, just tell them what it costs. You know, the, the same part that would be on a Freightliner. If it's on a Volvo, it's three or four times the expense, you know, uh,
0: here, here's one for you. We an ABS, um, like just a little pigtail, you know, just a a wiring harness. Um, it was $1,800 for like a six foot wiring harness for a Volvo. Now I ended up finding a kind of a hillbilly solution. that cost $50 from straight from Bendix or from WAPCO. But, um, God Almighty, I mean, these Volvos, I, you know, I, the Volvo is certainly an option, but I, I would, you know, a Volvo with a Detroit checks all the boxes, but after having to pay the parts bill, unless you know a guy somewhere, uh, I can't recommend them because, Lord have mercy, those Volvo parts are ridiculous. The,
1: the reason they're attractive is because, you know, Volvo, people – Always talk about how freight liners shake and the dashes fall apart and stuff like that. You know, the the Volvo with the Detroit engine gives you a probably a superior cab in terms of fit and finish and and that sort of thing. Uh, and it still gives you all these reliability things we're looking at for the motor. So that's the reason the Volvo fits in this program. Um, uh, it does probably give you a better quality uh, vehicle. As far as the the, the cab is concerned, yeah. and then you still have all the advantage of having the Detroit motor. So that's the only reason that we're
0: even even putting it in the, yeah. in the category. So <clears throat> go ahead, Chris. So uh, just another note on transmissions and differentials. Um, you know, y- you have to you have to choose the stuff specific on the segment of the industry where you plan on running your truck. We spec for general freight in uh, 47 states.
1: Um, well, no, we have it in Alaska.
0: Well, yeah, but I'm not going up there. Uh, but uh-huh. the
1: same spec that we spec down here,
0: sure. will go there. So, right, that's true. <clears throat> um, but but it's all about fuel mileage. You know, obviously, if you're running heavy haul and you got 17 axles on the ground and you're making $12 a mile, you're not all that fired up about fuel mileage. You know, but that's not what we're doing. We're pulling a van. Uh, we're running general freight in, you know, the lower 48 minus California. And we're just trying to get fuel mileage, you know. And so you just you just have to, you know, you can't get fired up looking at pictures of a truck. And, oh, that looks nice. Okay. Well, the next question is, what's the gear ratio? What's the transmission? What's the wheelbase? You know, I know it looks cool to have 17 feet between the back of the tractor and the, and the front of the trailer, but that is probably two miles to the gallon worth of, of, of air uh, resistance and aerodynamic loss. Uh, I
1: love these ads on Facebook where they're advertising a used truck, and they'll put all this stuff on there, you know, uh, replace the starter, it's got a new starter, a new alternator, but they don't have, nowhere in there is the, uh, is the gear ratio. Nowhere in there play. is whether we you know exactly, you know, and I'll, know. And, and, let me clarify one other thing. Okay. A 2004 and later truck is an emission truck because Correct. they put EGR on a truck in 04 and EGR, it was the very first, you know, um, entrance entry into the emissions, uh, on, on, on trucks. So you if you read a, an ad in, in Facebook for a used truck or anywhere, for that matter, and they talk about being anything later than 04 being non-emission or pre-emission, that's incorrect because it's going to be EGR from 04 to 007. And then the what they think are emissions are as a DPF starts in O8. But let me tell you why that's important, okay? Because if it's got if, if you buy an 04, 05, 06, 07, and it was it came in life, it was born in life with with EGR, which it will be, and it's not EGR when you buy it. Go back and listen to one of our episodes about what that cost to repair that, okay? So uh, I always ask that question. The first question I ask when I'm looking at a truck in that range, has the EGR been deleted? And, and if, if it says, has been, run. If it has been, pass, okay? Hard pass. pass. Run pass, okay, and we'll we'll talk about this again sometime, but deleting an EGR, in most cases, is going to preliminarily hurt that motor because of the way they delete it, and um, it's $10 we
0: to $15,000 to fix.
1: Uh, exactly. Well, that's to un- undelete it. Right. To fix it, it's even more expensive than that if you end up with a cracked head or a cracked cylinder or whatever like that because right. of the fact they did it wrong, so. Well, let me give you a little secret here, okay? People often, sometimes always ask me, "What is the secret? What's the secret to how you do business?" Well, I'm going to I'm going to tell you the secret right now. If you understand this, that besides the cost of you, fuel is your number one cost. Now, I know that's a big surprise. we I've never said that before. I'm sure that fuel is your number one cost. Tongue in cheek here,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but um, remember. Fuel is your number one cost. It's also the easiest thing to um, affect because most of the time it's all about decisions. Last time we talked about buying fuel and what the effect that has on your bottom line if you don't pay attention to how you buy fuel. Tonight we're going to talk about another decision. Finally, we're going to talk about tires. Because, you know, tires are your next most expensive thing after you and fuel. Tires are your next biggest expense. And it's a very, very misunderstood um, aspect of trucking. Yep. When you're looking at tires, in my opinion, it's all about the fuel mileage. And if you've been around me long enough, you understand that fuel mileage is all about the dollars okay and the reason i say that's because people think that tires well i want to buy a tire that that gets me good traction i want to buy tires that give me that last a long time i want to buy tires and fill in the blank okay um but here here's the situation okay all tires unlike you guys are not created equal you know we use Michelin. Michelin makes, in my opinion, the best tire on the market. And I'll explain why. Um, and again, it's, it's quantifiable. It's not that I like Michelin or anything like that. I can quantify the, the, the fact that for money-saving purposes, and I'm going to give you exactly how I do this, it, it can't be beat, in my opinion. But Michelin also makes the worst tire as far as fuel mileage goes. So it's not because it's Michelin, it's because of the tire, how it's made, the rubber compound, how the sidewall's um, built, uh, designed, engineered. All these things, you just can't go into a tire place and buy the one that's on sale and think that it's the same thing as all the other tires in that shop, because it's not. Here, let me give you an example of making the wrong decision and what it costs you, okay? Let's look at the cost savings benefits by getting improved fuel mileage, okay? If truck one gets five miles per gallon, there's four different examples there, five, six, seven, and eight. Each of those trucks gets five, six, seven, or eight, and fuel is 275 a gallon, which is about what it is right now. And you drive an annual, if you drive 100,000 miles a year, Truck 1 will spend $55,000 a year on fuel. Truck 2 will save $6,500 a year because of the 1 mile per gallon better fuel mileage. Truck 3 saves $15,000 a year because of the 2 miles per gallon fuel improvement. Truck 4 saves $20,000 a year because of the 3 miles per gallon fuel improvement. Now, why do I point this out? Tires have a lot to say have have a lot to do with your fuel mileage. All tires are not created equal. I'm going to introduce you to a concept tonight of called low rolling resistance. Now, you've probably looked at those tires or heard of them, and you um, you, you 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 think, well, yeah, but those tires cost a lot more, okay? You know, you, you price a um, a a a high a low rolling resistance uh, Michelin tire, let's say a drive tire, for your for your dual situation, your tandem situation. They're going to be about 650 bucks a tire. You know, now I'm not counting any kind of Atlanta Star discount. I'm just talking about general. If you walked into a tire shop and said, "I want to buy one of those tires," that's what it's going to cost. You can go in there and buy one of any of the other brands, and they're going to be between 275 and 375 dollars. So you're going to go, my God, it's twice as much. Well, let me give you a chart. Now I apologize for the the font here, but I had to do this on Excel, so I'll read it to you. But here's a here's a comparison: the cost of running tires that get poor fuel mileage. Now we're going to talk about rolling resistance, but rolling resistance is a measure of how efficient the tire is, and far as far as fuel savings. And the number itself is not important. It's the relationship between the numbers, okay? So if you if you have a tire that that gets that rolling resistance is a hundred and another one is one twenty five, the difference between that, that percentage, is is gonna be the 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 this the, the, the difference in the fuel mileage. So I used two examples here. I didn't and tire one is um well it every every brand out there has a has a tire one, okay? 125 rolling resistance is pretty common for a non fuel efficient tire. Tire two is the is the uh, Michelin um, Line line, uh, line Energy D um, tandem drive, back, drive tire. It has a rolling resistance of 95, and the other example I'm using is example 125. So that's about a 24 percent difference between the two. So the upfront cost of the of the um, Tire one is three hundred seventy-five dollars. The upfront cost for the Michelin was six fifty, times eight, that's three thousand dollars for the non res- low roller resistance tire, and fifty-two hundred for the low rolling resistance tire. Now, if you're getting six miles per gallon in the truck with the with the um, with, I'm just going to call them poor tires just to keep me having to say all those words. And you switch to a low roller resistance tire because the numbers between 95 and 125 you're going to see if everything stayed the same you hauled the same freight did the same everything the same you'll see a, a an improvement in your miles per gallon from six to 7.4 and at the annual miles driven of 100,000 miles and fuel being what it is the first year cost of those tires that you bought that were poor rolling resistance was $48,633. And that includes the cost of the tires. Every year after that, those tires are costing you $45,833 to operate in fuel versus the low rolling resistance tire that cost you $37,000 the first year because of the fuel savings, including the price of the tire. And after that, after the first year cost, $37,000 $37,000 every year after. Three-year period, which is the estimated, you know, life expectancy of that tire, it's, it's nearly $24,000 between the two. So when you talk about, well, those are more expensive tires, maybe they are, maybe they aren't. When you take into consideration the fact that you're going to save money on fuel every time you fuel up for the next three years, that adds up, as you see, to a lot of money. And um, you know, for those people that go, well, you know, I want I, I you know I'm I I don't care about the fuel mileage, I just want a tire that lasts a long time. Well, that's just gonna give you poor fuel mileage for a long time. You know, we joke sometimes about when we buy a, a truck, we just take the tires off of it and throw it away, no matter how new they are, because if they're not low roller resistance tires, they're gonna cost us money to run it. And here's the example of that. Now Chris, can we attach this or something at the bottom so they can actually see this if they're driving right now?
0: Um, I can put this on the uh, web page for okay. the podcast episode. I've got this in an Excel
1: spreadsheet too, if anybody wants it, okay? So, um, But um, th- this is an eye-opener to a lot of people If because now when you walk in to buy tires, now the determining factor is not the price. It's not what people told you at the, at the lunch counter. I'll run this. I love these. I love these posts on Facebook. I'm getting ready to buy a drive tires. What do y'all think? And you get ninety eight opinions, and none of them, none of them discuss rolling resistance and fuel mileage. Oh, mine, these ran i got real good. I got a low, You know, what, everything except the bottom line. And again, I'm gonna need to remind you, I'm a businessman. Okay, everything is about the bottom line. When it's not about the bottom line, that's stupid taxes, Dave Ramsey says, okay? Why I pay money that you don't have to? You know, you'll, you'll fight a, an, an agent over over $50 on a load, but then you go in and buy tires and give up $24,000 in three years. How much freight could you would you have to haul to make that back? And then you're going to make it back on bad tires, and you're just going to keep losing money. So this is why they are called the lunatics, but I look at everybody else and I think they're the lunatics. I think we're the, we're the normal people. Now you say, because again, at that lunch counter, they're going, yeah, but those low rollers, the tires, they just don't last as long as, as regular tires. Well, this is not me. This is the TMC, Technology and Maintenance Council. And these are average big fleets, big, big fleets, okay? Not independent, not owner-operators. And here is just an example of steer tire mileage from a standard tire versus a low rolling resistance tire. 106,000 was average on a big fleet for a standard tire, 114,000 for a low rolling resistance. Now I will tell you right now, steer tires on our trucks get about 275 to 300,000 miles. Okay. And we'll talk about why in a minute. So you got to remember these are swift drivers and you know, that kind of person. Okay. Drive tire mileage gets a little more complicated because you got to talk about singles versus du- 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 duels. But here's the chart, a, um, a single axle or a, or a um, well, let's leave single axle out. Let's just talk about tandem axle because yeah. none of you guys are driving singles, I'm sure. So let's talk about tandem axle. We'll start with the blue one in the middle. Tandem ax- a- axle standard tires, 203,000 mi- uh, miles lifetime tandem axle low roll resistance, 212, and tandem axle wide base singles, 218. Now you probably know that we advocate the wide base single for a lot of reasons and we'll get into some of them a little bit later. But um, so this myth that they don't last as long as standard tires is just not true. And uh, Again, this is the proof that with big fleets, with not probably great drivers and certainly very, very poor maintenance, how many of those guys actually check their tire pressure and even, do, even take care of the tires. So if this right. had been on owner-operators who take care of the trucks, it'd be a big, big difference. We get on average about 400, 450,000 miles out of a set of, uh, of wide base singles is what we get. So Underinflation kills tires. Okay, underinflation kills tires. One of the reasons I don't like duels is because that inside tire is going to always be underinflated because it's very, very hard to check and very, very hard to keep aired up. If I was going to run duels, I'd definitely run cat size on them so that I've got a common air pressure between the two tires. And that way I don't have to worry about the inside tire being underinflated and the outside tire not. You guys would all be really, really, really. Uh, better off if you would go look up Mike Beckett, MD Alignment. He's got two books on tires and on alignments. The books, I think, together are $25. You owe it to yourself if you're an owner or operator to understand and learn about tires. That's the best investment you'll ever make as far as understanding, the, especially this inflation thing. Okay, What we do is we use tire pressure monitors on all of our trucks, on all of our tires, so the driver from the driver's seat can always see what the what the inflation is. Uh, we have um, we have alarms set that when the tire gets five pounds less than what we think is ideal, it will signal to the driver. Um, it also re- registers the heat that's in the tire, and you'll learn that heat is a good indicator of a potential problem. Um, obviously, low inflation. Is an indicator of a potential problem you know you can find out you've got a problem before you blow the tire out and uh, and it doesn't require you to have to go around and stick the tire you know all the time a hundred percent of the time you know exactly what your tire situation is this uh, tire pressure monitor set is about four hundred dollars I want to say uh, not that expensive four or five hundred dollars uh, but one tire pay for this you know yep and, and the life, you know, the the reason our tires last so long is because, number one, we keep, we balance them. Um, we we keep the truck aligned properly and we keep the truck, the tires inflated properly. Now, we'll tell you right now that you, uh, overinflation will improve your fuel mileage. If you understand friction and, and the dynamic of that sidewall flex, the more air you put in that tire, the stiffer that sidewall is going to be the better fuel mileage is going to be and um, I won't get into all the politics around that right now, but if you'll read those books by mike beckett uh, You'll find out that um, Our whole industry is trained wrong You go into a place that sells tires and they freak out because you want to put 120 psi in your tires and they they want to tell you how it's going to blow up and all this sort of stuff if you understand how this works the 120 that you see on the side of the tire—it's a—it's re- a recommended tire pressure at 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 certain load levels. That's not the maximum tire pressure by any means. Mike Beckett is a worldwide authority. Every tire manufacturer in the world that has a problem calls him in to analyze the problem, and he says, "Look at the 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 recommended tire pressure on the side of the tire and add 10 pounds to it." and that's you know we i've done this since 2009 and we don't have tire problems we don't have blown out tires we seldom have a tire problem we inflate our singles to 140 if we can get it you know we have settled for 125 most of the time because of morons that we deal with in these shops but if we had a way of getting to a compressor that's what we would run and um again the more pressure you put in that tire to a point now obviously you can't overdo it but 115 or 120 in a steer is much better than 100. You're going to get better fuel mileage if you overinflate your tires. Now, trucks ride rides a little harder, I'll give you that. But again, what are we doing this for? The money? Or for how nice the truck runs? This leads us to modifications. If somebody had a question earlier tonight about modifications, I'm going to go through some of them. We'll, we'll expand on this in another another episode, but we'll talk a little bit about modifications and and the first question is, well, well, why modify? I mean, the truck's built from the factory. Isn't it, isn't it, it, isn't it okay the way, the way it is? And the answer to that is, well, yeah, as long as you don't care about making money. Modifications improve fuel economy. In case I hadn't told you earlier, fuel is the biggest expense in operating a truck.
0: I don't think you've ever mentioned that I
1: don't think like, uh, that's a new thing, a new concept. Let's learn that. Improving fuel economy, guess what? Saves money. What do you have to do to improve fuel economy? Most of the time, it's decisions. How fast are you driving? How are you driving? Okay, uh, how are you shifting? All the, the driver is 35% of fuel economy, 35%. And a lot of the other things we're doing here is the rest of it. Here's the modifications that we recommend, okay? Install an OPS bypass system and use full synthetic oil. That will lower, um, the friction in the engine, the synthetic oil is, is a better oil and it's a thinner oil and it will imp- in, in, re- reduce the friction in your motor. Replace the standard air filter with a fleet air filter. and You'll get better air flow into the motor. Replace your stock muffler with a Pittsburgh Power or a straight through. It doesn't have to be that brand, but a straight through muffler. Um, and that will let the air come out of the motor that the fleet air filter brought in and let the engine breathe better. Uh, change the crankshaft dampener after 500,000 miles and add a balancer to that. Throw away the tires that came on it, regardless of how good they look. Use only low rolling resistance, good quality tires. We prefer the Michelin Line D or Line S. Preferably wide base singles on the drives. Now, I will tell you this, the Michelin Duals are very, very close to the wide base singles in terms of rolling resistance. So. You know, I prefer the singles, but because of the maintenance. it's easier to maintain. There's no negative side effects to it whatever, except this one that you're always going to hear. Well, if I have a blowout, I can't limp in. Well, let me just go back a second to a couple of slides here. Let's say you do have a blowout, okay? You think you think for twenty three thousand eight hundred and seven dollars in three years that you can afford to have a tow truck. Or a, or a service truck come out and replace the tire on the side of the road without you limping in. Yep. And oh by the way, limping in will get you the biggest fine you ever got from the DOT if they catch you. Install tire pressure monitors und- under underinflation kills tires and also kills fuel mileage. Get an MD alignment. You'll very likely have to replace all your spring bushings and some front suspicion parts because guys who understand alignment and the MD alignment guys understand that you can't, you can't align a truck if the, if the suspension won't hold the alignment. And so it's, uh, they're not going to align it until you get the truck in condition to align it. And if you're buying a truck that's 2007 and older, these things have never been replaced. And they're all wore out. Add air tabs and shorten up the gap between your truck and trailer if possible. Buy a KR scan gauge and use it to learn how to re- retrain yourself how to drive for fuel profit, for fuel mileage and profit. Consider consider installing a FAST system, fuel air separator system. Uh, this is just a little thing that's really not for fuel mileage, but replace all your exterior lights with LEDs. Most roadside inspections start with a burned out bulb. Yep. Lastly, track your fuel mileage. Every fill up. Tra- You cannot understand how to save money if you don't know what your. It's just like trying to book loads and you don't know your cost per mile. You know, if you don't know what your fuel mileage is, and and a lot of people don't. Believe me, they have no idea what their fuel mileage is. They think they do, but they really don't. When you start tracking every fill up by miles versus gallons, you'll find out that, you know, it's probably different than what you think it is. Um, Let's Truck has a website that gives you a free app, always free, to track your fuel mileage. It's called Fuel Gauges. So these are the modifications that we recommend. We do these to all of our trucks and we recommend these. This is how we teach our drivers um, to uh, modify their trucks for fuel mileage. And that's the end. So, Chris, why don't you jump in here and let's talk about it and let's maybe answer some questions or if there's anything else last, to add to this.
0: Pull that last slide back up for a second. Um, I want to talk about the driver for a minute. Like he said, it's 35% or more, depending on how dumb you are. Um, listen, if you're trying to be John Force uh, between stoplights, you're, you're, there's, no, there's no practical, logical reason to uh, be wide open on the throttle getting through the gears. It's just not necessary. Um, shifting smoothly, not getting on the brakes. You know, if you're rolling through stoplights, just roll. You know, just that because you'll find that idiot that's trying to drag race between every stoplight. And, and, and bust through six or eight gears and then slam on the brakes and six or eight gears and slam on the brakes and six or eight gears and slam on the brakes. And the whole time, if you're rolling along, you know, just kind of cruising, you're going to get to the same place that that idiot is getting to without burning an extra gallon of fuel. Um, don't use cruise control. You know, cruise control is binary. It's on or it's off. You know, the, the computer says, I'm not going fast enough, and it goes wide open throttle. Oh, I'm going fast enough, and it lets out of the gas. And I'm not going fast enough, and it's wide open throttle. If you can uh, train your foot to be the cruise control and keep an even, steady application of, uh, of pressure on that throttle and keep that input as little as you need, to get the truck moving and keep it at the speed that you need to keep it at. You're better off to let the speed of the truck when you're going down the road fluctuate a little bit, let it slow down five or seven miles an hour, and then let it speed up five or seven miles an hour rather than to just, uh, let the cruise control go wide open throttle. Um, let's see, there was something else on there. Um, Oh, on the alignments, alignments. Um, we need we need to get Mike Beckett on here and talk about this. But in my driveway right now, there sets a truck with 1.8 million miles on it that I guarantee you drives straighter than, and better than anything that's rolling off of a, an assembly line right now. Um, maintaining that suspension, um, it it. it When your truck is aligned properly, it's not fighting itself. Um, You know, it it needs to be able to roll in a straight line. There are enough other forces at work, uh, air, resistance, gravity, weight. Uh, You don't need your axles pointing in the wrong direction uh, and and causing even more drag because the, the, the less drag you have, whether it's aerodynamic or mechanical, the better fuel mileage you're gonna get. And they're a whole lot nicer to drive when they drive straight that you're not wore out trying to hold the damn thing in the road because it won't drive in a straight line.
1: Well and 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 that also is gonna I mean irregular tire wear will prematurely obviously ruin a tire. And yep. there it's again, we're talking about cost here. So you go spend three hundred and fifty bucks and have an MD alignment done and if they if you need bushings, you put the bushings in it. Okay, again, if the bushings cost $1,500 to do, what's it going to do? How many tires are you going to replace before you figure out that it's not the alignment? You know, how many times have we seen that? I'll just put, t- I've aligned it and I put tires up and it's still wearing them out in front. You know, I do it again, it must be the time we switch brands, you know. No, it's not that. It's, it's First of all, the alignment was done improperly, okay? It wasn't aligned as you drive, it was lined up. On, on turn plates where the pressure has been taken off the truck and that's not how you drive it down the road, so therefore the alignment isn't, is not proper. And, you know, instead of fixing the problem, you're just replacing tires, you know. um, Go ahead and get it done right the first time. Spend the money, do it right, and then you're not replacing tires, you know. This truck he's talking about is a truck that I bought. It's got 1.8 million miles on it. The average life on those tires is nearly three hundred thousand miles for the steers and over four hundred fifty for the for the drives, uh, but it and I've had it lined maybe twice, and it's a two thousand seven model. Okay, so it it's um. You know, it's money well spent. It's money well spent. How much weight does Super Single save? It saves on average. I uh, saw that number a while ago. It's um. It four four. Well, yeah, let me let me look. That's hundred
0: pounds to, per position, I think.
1: No, that's more than that. I had it. Okay. A um, a wide base is a hundred it's 181 pounds per tire. A low profile is 250 pounds per pair. Okay. So it's gonna be basically 70 pounds per position. So four positions, 280 pounds is the difference. Um as far as weight
0: goes, but
1: that, in my opinion, is not the reason to do it. I mean, yeah, you can you can haul a little bit more freight. Of course, if that was on your trailers, it would also double that. You know, uh, but like us, we don't have trailer, we don't control our trailers, so we can't we can't do that. But it's um, again, it's it's the, it's the rolling resistance and the fuel, line. and the biggest thing for me for the singles is um, is the maintenance. You know, not having to deal with that inside tire. You know. And I can't, there's not any, you know, people go, yeah, but they drive different. No, they don't. We put, Chris had never driven one in 22 years so he came here. And now he could, you ask him, he, could, he can't tell the difference. That's just, that's, not continue, a bit. that's just bullshit. You know, so uh, easier to maintain, much easier to maintain.
0: and that uh, I 100% agree with.
1: And, and better fuel mileage. Both of those do this right here. Save money. Both of them. What do your trucks get for fuel miles? Well, keep in mind, we're a training fleet here. We can make the truck do what it wants. We got to make the driver do what it takes. So that's Mm -hmm. what our challenge is. Okay. Uh, our, you know, our trucks are very much capable. Look, when I, when I drove my truck, I got nine miles, nine miles a gallon. I drove it pulling Landstar freight, heavy freight and got eight and a half, eight, three easy. Okay. Now I put another driver in and he gets seven. So that's why I say it's all, most of this is about the driver. Once we spec the truck right and do the modification, now it's up to the driver. So our task here is teaching drivers how to retrain themselves. We use the scan gauge to do that with. And uh, it's a process because, you know, guys have been driving for a long time. They have habits. They like to do things for, they like to stop at the same truck stop over and over again, even though fuel's not. You know, we have a constant you know, challenge here to make people understand that this is about business, this is about dollars and cents, and it's not about habits, and it's not about you know how you when you were driving for a company and you weren't writing the checks, you drive a lot different than when you start pulling the checkbook out. I had a give a little quick story. It's not really about fuel mileage, but you know if if I had a driver that that in that, the air conditioner work on his truck well it wouldn't be about thirty minutes before he'd throw the keys over in the field and be telling me where to pick his truck up. I've actually been threatened by that by the guy next to me right now but um I sold it, uh, I sold one of my drivers a truck a few years ago and I talked to him like a I don't know a few months later and the air conditioner had gone out. Well I talked to him again like a year later and the air conditioner had still was still out it had never been fixed. Now he wouldn't have driven for me 30 minutes with no air conditioner, but because it was his truck now and his checkbook that was going to have to fix that air conditioner, he drove it for a year. May still be driving it, I don't know, without fixing an air conditioner. So that tells you that when it's your money, you act differently. Well, When you buy a truck and you come to Landstar or you become an owner operator, and you go into business, guess what? It's your checkbook. It matters. It mattered when you were a company driver. It's just nobody gives a shit. Okay. It certainly matters when it's your checkbook. Yep. So all the things we're telling you about here, will will set your truck up to get fuel, good fuel mileage, but that's not automatic. You still have to, driver is 35%. There's nothing else that we do that equals 35, I mean all of it together might, but there's no one single thing that you can do to that truck that gets 35% better fuel mileage, except retrain the driver. So.
0: All right. Here's here's a question. I you know, to turn you loose on this. You go.
1: <laughs> what qualifying questions do you use on a tire shop to see if they're Nosma? Well? well, it's pretty easy, actually. All you have to first thing you could do is walk in and ask him if you, can. We will you will you air my singles up to one forty? That pretty much will tell you right there. Okay, but. Uh, it, it, You know, this is is hard for me because I can't understand it. I don't understand why you could be in business and be ignorant. But I have found very, very, very few tire shops that aren't ignorant. Very few. Very few. And it's because there you know again there's no training there what joe trained bill and bill trained bob and bob trained and it's that it's that phone game you know what joe told bill now has been magnified amplified changed 14 times and and you know it it, it it's there's no there's no factual knowledge there you know we we our guys, once we have trained them, they know more about tires than the tire shops do, you know? Now yep. we have to convince them of that because they think that they can go over there and just sacrifice themselves, sur- surrender their truck and themselves to the shop and they'll be treated professionally. And it's like, no, no, you won't, you know? Um, you, you know, we, we, use, we use counteract balancing beads. There's not a time when I can't, I don't have to call the shop and remind them to not use the wrong valve stem in it because they, they, they even sell the damn things and don't know to use them. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, you know, it's they'll, they'll, sad they'll, true. they'll bust a tire down and all the beads will go everywhere and they'll put a tire right back on with that snot around, the, around the, the rim edge and the next morning the tire will be flat because that snot's full of little beads because they didn't take the time to clean the bead off. And get all the old beads out of it. And when you put the new beads in, they're all stuck to the, to the bead of the to the, the bead of the rim of the tire. It, it's not. It, it's, it's pathetic. It's pathetic. You have to go in there and you have to almost say, look, I'm paying the bill here, son of a bitch. Okay? We're going to do this the way I want to do it. And if that doesn't suit you, just let me know right now so I can go on down the road. Okay? And no. I hate to say that, but that's exactly how you have to be.
0: Y'all, we had a tire shop, a professional tire shop. They don't do anything but tires. A shop that Larry's had a multi-year relationship with, that took the tire balancing beads. Yeah, they just threw they just threw the package, and they didn't they didn't even open the package. Well, let me qualify they
1: that. Just threw- let me qualify that. There's two packages. The outer package is to ship it in, to to handle it in. Right there's an inner package that the beads are in that you do throw in the tire but you don't throw the outer package in there okay
0: yeah and go ahead with your story i'm sorry so we we busted a steer tire down on one of the trucks i don't remember now and when we took it apart it just it looked like a bomb went off and we get it open and i I, because these this outer package comes with a special valve stem and another valve cap. Valve core. Like valve, core va- valve, valve core. Valve core. And another little cap. Um that uh uh it's got like a little jewel on it, so you'll just know, you know, it your, signifies uh, that it's yeah. got something different in it. Y'all. That valve core and that cap was inside the tire.
1: Inside the tire. For like exactly. three years.
0: You know, I just it, it the stupidity is 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 amazing to me.
1: Uh, if you, another... if you if you find a good tire shop you know give them your business because they're hard to find now yeah. in all honesty you have to go in and you have to educate but i do this everywhere i mean i do this i you know i look when we first started doing the ops years ago we went into shops that wouldn't even change the filter you know well yep. we can't touch that well, that's a factor. we can't touch that so you you know you have to go in and you have to be you can't be an asshole like I'm being right now you know you, I mean you have to you have to have that in your back pocket you have to pull that out if it needs to be but you go in and you just try to edge you know you you go hey did you you know this is what I'm doing you know look, here's the here's the thing that would really get him I'd ask him a question I'd say look at this motor here I said this thing's got well it's got one point eight now but back when I was driving it maybe had a million million two and, I'd say this thing's got like 1.3 million miles on it. How many oil changes you think it's ever had? And they start scratching their head and like, well, I'm, well probably 200, you know? I'm going, would you believe if I told you three? Well, now I've got their attention, okay? Mm-hmm. Now I know shit they don't, okay? Mm-hmm. Now they're listening. I'm going, well, let me explain to you how, and I show them. Well, now they open up, you know, and they're going, well, wait a minute, this guy might notice what you're talking about. Then when I say, hey, you know, I really need you to put one thirty-five in these in these singles for me. Well, I don't know if our compressor will go up that high. Well, how about you give me all your compressor will do? Would you do that for me? Yeah, I'll do that. You know. So you just mm-hmm. have to warm up to. It. You have to build that. Rela- you know that he use that term all the time. You have to build that relationship. And once you do, I mean, I had a place. I had a place that I went to all the time. I, I found out what you know when you know when you when you go into shop and they have air hoses, air tools. The little quick connects that hook the tire, the, the tools up to the air, those aren't standard. There's like three or four different brands of those or different types of them. I would, I found out what brand they were and I went and bought my own and I had all my own tire stuff, you know. So I could go in there and hook up their hose and air up my tires with their hose with my stuff. and um, But that's the relationship that I built with that shop, you know and so but that that this is that mean this is the same in anything anything you do you just have to go in there you have to find somebody that will listen to you will work with you um and unfortunately it's easier to train the technicians than it is the sales guys the sales guys they're totally lost you know you if you go into a tire shop now well today might be a little different but when i was driving You ask the rolling resistance, they couldn't tell you what, first of all, they couldn't tell you what it meant. Second of all, they couldn't really tell you what it was. And by the way, let me tell you something. If you want to compare rolling resistance, just Google Michelin rolling resistance comparison chart, anything like that, and it will take you to a chart where you can put in the tires that you're looking at and you can compare it to four other different tires, okay? And it'll tell you exactly what the rolling resistance is on those tires. That's where I got that chart that I did earlier tonight. I took the Michelin tire that we use and I looked at four different other brands and they were all about the same. They're all about 122, 125 rolling resistance where the tire we use was 95. So, um, and it's the brands that, you know, you, you hear, you know, the Bridgestone ML 720, the, you know, all the, the tires that everybody says they use and they're good tires. The the Yokohama 517 I think it is, you know. Supposedly the the best tires that the other manufacturers make. So, uh, but if you want, if you're curious, go in there and put, look at your tires, put them in there and then pick the Michelin uh, Line D if you're duals or, or, or X1 Line D if you're singles and just compare them and you'll see. You can even put in a fuel, uh, you can even do all the math and see exactly what it's costing you to drive that tire compared to buying a lower, Low rolling resistance tire. Now, look, I'm a big Michelin guy because, you know, that, they're the best. Now, every manufacturer has a low rolling resistance tire, but you got to look at the number, and you got to compare it to the Michelin. I haven't found one that can beat it, but good luck if you do.
0: Right. So, okay, so let's get some more. Uh, William, um, I hear lots of people say stupid things that they don't understand all the time. Uh, <laughs> and this is one of them? <laughs> yeah, y'all, you know, I've driven, I've been here almost three years, spent most of my time in the Northeast driving in ice and snow with Super Singles. The idea that Super Singles is not are not good in the snow is nonsense. It's absolute horseshit, uh, and it's some moron that doesn't know what they're talking about that, that, that believes everything they think is basically the problem. They think it, therefore it must be true.
1: Most people who make those comments have never driven them. Okay, they don't know, but it's just what they've been told. You know? Right, them those tires. Listen, no tire is good on ice. Zero tire. There's not any tire right. that's good on ice. These aren't either. Okay? And they're no better than the other ones. But they're no worse than the other ones. And they're not any worse on snow than the other ones. If you look at the tire if the imprint that the tire makes on a super single versus a set of duels, just compare the compare the surface that touches the ground. And you'll see how stupid that comment
0: is. Um, how often do you do an alignment? Well, we do an alignment. Uh, we do Wait. a good MD alignment once, which comes with a complete suspension inspection. And then you do the repairs to this suspension. You get the suspension solid. Um, and, you know, what's, what, what's the old truck, the 215? How many alignments has it had in 1.8 million? Two. Two. Two.
1: Well, I mean, the one that it had when I bought it, but I've done two. Yeah. Um, I'm so, getting ready
0: to put new torque rods on it, and it might need an alignment after that, but there's no indication so far on that Here truck Here's how that often you do it. an alignment. Here's how often
1: you do an alignment. You run your hand over the tires, okay? And if the tire's wearing even, and you don't have feathering on the front of the steers, and your rear tires are not wearing on any of the edges or anything like that, you don't need alignment, okay? Tires will tell you, here's another thing you do. Don't go put new tires on then go get aligned. That's not what you want to do. The, The tires will tell the story to a good alignment guy about what's wrong with the truck. So go get it aligned on the old tires to an MD alignment shop. And by the way, the one we're going to tell you about, there's two. Actually, we'll tell you about three. My best, my favorite, the one I've always gone to is Chad Hone in Kansas City. He's at TNE and um, Tire Shop. He doesn't work there. He uses that shop to do his alignments in. That's, in my opinion, the number one. Well, the number one guy's Mike Beckett up in Des Moines, but he's probably not. You're probably going to have a hard time getting in there. Chad Hull would be the guy I would recommend. We've also got a guy. Who's the guy that you dealt with up in Ohio? What's his name? Um,
0: JR Mobile Truck Alignment in, sure.
1: in Ohio, in, in Southern yeah. Ohio. S- and then Eastern Ohio, and then for you Landstar guys, we've got a fellow BCO who is doing these MD alignments down in Jacksonville area. His name is Rocky Rockefeller, North Florida um, alignment so, MD. Just, just yeah. you can go to mdalignment.com and you can put in a, There's a map and you can go in there, and there all the stores are there, whether well, or not stores or individuals. But um, you know, get yourself a good MD alignment, and you don't have to unless, unless your tires are wearing. You don't have to do it again. <laughs> not recent and you can tell again buy Mike Beckett's books and learn how to feel your tires learn understand what's making it do what it's doing and then you'll 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 see that it's not it's not something that you have to routinely do you get an alignment on there it's it's going to stay until you start wearing parts or having some problem
0: you know so so we pretty much covered this a minute ago but basically uh, I, I had don't Yokohama know on my truck uh, Yokohama makes look- a really
1: good tire. Uh, they make a good low low roll resistance tire i don 't recognize that number right there because i I'm just don't, i just don 't i don't look for anything yeah. except Michelin. I would say if you if i were you go to that michelin uh, google michelin rolling resistance comparison chart okay and it 'll come up and you can put that tire in there and it 'll tell you you know so um 12-speed automatic we 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 what's what's in this
0: what's in this Ken i don't know i don't know i think it's a 10 speed i'm not a fan we don't have any
1: i'm not a fan because again it's to me it's risky they're expensive to work on you know we're talking about look if 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 you've got one and it works for that by all means god bless you okay but if we're advising somebody to go buy a truck if I'm buying a truck and I see it's an automatic, I just walk away. An, the rest the of trucks, it doesn't matter. It doesn't the, matter. The
0: trucks that we're looking at from 2000 to 2007, if it if it has an automatic, it's an absolute pass. Absolutely, Absolutely. no way. Yeah, uh, it's just no, not no, the good. Th- it's not the best thing for your first truck. You
1: know, it introduces a whole lot more complexity and risk than you need. And understand, when you're going into business for the very first time, you're buying, you're buying your very first truck, you're one major repair of going out of business. And that automatic transmission can very likely be that repair. And yeah. those aren't cheap to fix, especially in that time frame. Nope. Uh,
0: average average cost, cost MD alignment, uh,
1: the alignment's 350 bucks typically. Uh, the, the, the parts, it just depends. Now, if you had to put all the bushings in, and I mean you could put tie rod ends and you might have to put kingpins. That's going to vary, you know uh, I will tell you this if you go to an MD alignment shop They typically have the right tools to do it in about a fraction of the time that most shops will do it um, Give an example Chris about you know, if you have to beat those bushings in there by hand It takes several hours to do it. They've got this thing called the tiger tool that'll put it in there in like 30 minutes, you know So you're not paying all that labor, you know. Um, They've also got. I
0: would, if if I was, if I was going, if I had a truck that had never had an NB alignment, I would go in there with a budget of, of say, $2,500. You're probably not going to spend that much, but I would have a budget of $2,500 available to me for suspension work. It could be, you know, because if you've got to do kingpins, tie rod ends, and bushings, spring bushings, you know i think we paid 1500 bucks for spring bushings uh what was the king pins i don't remember the pins probably 1000 bucks about that yeah, yeah 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 so i mean it, you know it. There. just know this if an md alignment guy inspects your suspension it's going to need work period it, you're you're not going you're very very unlikely to go in there and them tell you that it's good you know they're they're going to find stuff wrong um but he won't align and not, it,
1: and he won't charge you the three hundred fifty dollars until you get it fixed, right? So, so the best
0: not, way to do it is find an M.D. alignment guy, and pay him, you know, the fifty or seventy five bucks or whatever, to inspect your truck, check all your wheel bearings, check your bushings, check your torque rods, check your, uh, uh they'll they'll check everything, you know, they, they go around all all corners of the truck, they check all the wheel bearings, um, all the suspension parts, and then you know you'll pay them something for that. Uh, but they'll usually, you know, take that off of your bill if you come back, you know. So if you're just trying to, you know, roll past Chad in Kansas City, call him and set it up. He'll inspect the truck, let you know what it needs. If you don't have time to do it, then come back in a week or two, and, and then they'll get you straightened up. Uh, when when you go see Chad, on, be,
1: sure, be sure and tell him who sent you, okay? Yeah. I I, I, have, I I try to keep him happy. Sometimes I need him to help me out, you know, so. Yeah. But uh, he's a good guy. Uh, he, listen, how many people call you the day after you get work done and ask you how your truck's running, how your truck's driving? You know, I went to Chad way, way, way back, and he lined my truck. Next day I get a phone call. I'm like, well, oh, hell, did my check not go through or something or whatever? <laughs> he goes, hey, I'm just checking to make sure your truck is driving straight. I'm like, how many people do that, you know? So that's the kind yep. of guy you're dealing with, and um ain't no better, none better. Um, the other thing we haven't talked about is wheel bearing adjustment. That's a very, very common problem. If you're wearing inside edge on steers or on drives, it's very likely a loose wheel bearing. Most wheel bearings are not adjusted properly. And you go to these MD alignment guys, they got this thing called doctor bearing. or is that what it's called? Dr. Uh, uh, doctor preload. Dr. Doctor preload. And they will fix that problem for you because, again, most people do not know how to properly adjust wheel bearings. And, and, again, you're going to wear the tires out because the wheel bearings are loose, not because your alignment's out. It's because yeah. your wheel bearings aren't right, you know.
0: So so do you ever worry about the mileage has, on the frames? Yeah, do you ever worry about the mileage on frames on these older trucks? I guess what I'm asking is how many miles is too many on the frame or chassis? That's um, a good question. That's a good question. If it ain't rusted and got holes in it, it's good to go. We look at them. We've
1: not really ever found one yet that was a problem, um, but um, that, I mean, that's something you definitely need to look at, but I mean, that's just a visual inspection is really, you know, every, you know, I get that question a lot. Well, how many miles is too many miles? Well, I, I don't, I mean, unless the frame breaks in half, everything else can be fixed. And yep. I guess the frame could be fixed too, for that matter. But, um, yep. you know, uh, I mean everything on the, I mean, we can, we, we can put, we can rebuild the motor and get another million miles out of the motor. Everything else. Look, I got 1.8 million on this truck. I, that I drove forever. It's still got the original transmission. I only put one clutch in it and a 1.8 million miles. Um, both the rear ends had to be worked on, you know, but 1.8 million miles. Okay. So the engine by the way has not been touched except for we put head gaskets on them and, and lately just in the last two or three months. Yeah. So don't let the miles scare you, okay? That, is,
0: that, that stuff can be fixed, all right? It's not a big deal, you know? And this truck is a testament. You know, I, I've been driving a different truck here lately, and um, I drove that truck home. I brought it home with me the other night, and I'm just amazed. I mean, that y'all, there's, there's trucks with brand-new transmissions that aren't as tight. As uh, this truck with 1.8 million miles on it, and it's a testament to what happens with a truck when you take care of it, when you address the proper maintenance and you and you keep the fluids changed and and you don't abuse it. Um, I mean, it's you you could walk around this truck uh, and not believe in a million years that it's got almost two million miles on it because it's been taken care of. I used to get all these compliments
1: at the fuel stop. They go, "Wow, well, that's an what year is that truck? And of course it's a Columbia, so it's got, you know, it's it it, it it's got to be a certain age and over. And i tell them, they go, man, that doesn't look like, you know, um, you know, that, that truck, the paint's not dead on it because I washed it every, you know, month or so, you know, even for 2007, the paint's not dead, you know? No. Um, but it, you know, again, it's probably now had maybe five oil changes. Maybe, I, I don't, maybe four, I'm not sure. Um, but it's had a fast on it ever since I've owned it for almost, you know. So, I mean, the injectors are original. 1.8 million miles on original injectors. Um, of course, we do old samples every 25,000 miles, and we don't have anything that tells us to change the oil. The only times I ever changed the oil in it was because I wanted to try a different brand just to see if it made a difference, you know, me being the fuel mileage guy that we are. Um, so all these modifications we're talking about, they are for fuel mileage, but they also... Look what they do for the maintenance of the truck. You know, I mean, people freak out and they think you you don't change your oil. That's you're probably killing your motor. Well, prove it. How many motors got one point eight million miles out there? Yeah, that did change the oil every fifteen thousand miles. Right. Make make that argument with me.
0: Uh, Jay Winger asked, "Do you have a recommended list of books, audio books, for your possible future drivers looking to be mentored?" Um. We need to put together a list and put it on the website. Um, I would recommend, there's a book by Mark Levinson called The Box, How the Shipping Container um, Made the World Economy Bigger, Small. I can't remember the exact title. but It's called The Box. It's about shipping containers by Mark Levinson. Um, That's a great book just to understand the industry that you're working in. It just gives a, a lot of great historical context. Obviously, anything from Dave Ramsey from uh, Larry Winget, um, you know. We, uh, Jay,
1: we use different sources for different things, okay? Now, it's no secret that I learned a lot. You know, I came into this business knowing, I, listen, I wasn't a trucker. My dad wasn't a trucker. My grandmother wasn't a trucker. You know, I this was a total fluke thing. If you wanna understand how that worked, you listen to episode 49 and, and you'll you'll hear the whole story. But I came in this knowing nothing. I'm a businessman. I have no had no idea what to do in trucking. Went and got my CDL out of my own pocket. Went, to, you know. Anyway, bottom line is what I'm trying to tell you here is that my influence on the trucking business was Kevin Rutherford. Um, yep. He's got he's got lots of material that you can that you can get into. Okay, um, my. Um, we we teach our guys financial responsibility and how to be in position to buy their own truck. And we use Dave Ramsey for that. So that, you know, he's got lots of material. Um, I would say, depending on your background in business, I would, you know, anything that you can do about small business and, and just basic, you know, j- just just basic profit and loss and, and that sort of thing would would, would not be a, a bad thing to understand. Because you have to understand when you when you come here or even if you if you just buy a truck and become become an owner operator, you go from being an employee to an employer and and that there's an identity change there, and we talk about this a lot with our folks, you know when they come here, what you're gonna trans what what's gonna change in you is your identity from a, an employee to an employer and from a person that lets things that happen to them you know, distract them as opposed to becoming a problem solver and taking control of things yourself. So that motivational thing that we use, I I recommend Larry Wingett for that, you know. So those are just three people that I use and recommend, you know, and and all of our guys here are given that information as well, you know, to better prepare them for this. But anything you can do to prepare yourself to be in business if you don't have that background, is a good idea. Understanding that you know when you when you make that decision <clears throat> to buy a truck and go in business for yourself, everything changes. You know, even if it doesn't, it, you won't be there very long. But um, it's the right. Um, it's making the right decisions. Understanding that decisions have consequences. Understanding that saving uh, uh, uh saving money saving money through expenses is much easier than having to go out and work harder to get more revenue so we'll try to put together a list of things that that's a good idea we could we could probably put together some things that uh, would be of help to you
0: yeah well uh i think we've got an hour and a half so um just remember to go to drive if you're looking for an opportunity and fill out the form we'll get in touch with you set up an interview uh, we should be back next weekend with another episode. Um, we'll try to, I don't know if we've, I don't I don't guess if we've got picked up what we're going to talk about next week, but I'm sure it'll be riveting and thought provoking. If you have uh, any
1: suggestions, email us and let us know what you'd like yeah. to hear. That's what yeah. this one came yeah, from. We up. had several emails asking us to, to do this. So, um, wh- um, yeah, yeah, that's, uh,
0: so, yeah, that's great. This was fun. I
1: hope, I hope it helped you guys in, uh, you know, just remember. You know, it's it's not about how the truck looks. It's all about the money. Understand that it's all about the and the money stops. Everything stops, guys. Okay. Yep. You know, uh, how many sob stories do you read every day? You know, in YouTube and Facebook about guys going bankrupt and all these things that happen. That's avoidable. That's all. That's all based on decisions. Poor decisions or good decisions. All I'm trying to do here is teach you how to think about making good decisions not stupid decisions not decisions about things that don't matter and overlooking the things that do that's really what i'm trying to do here guys so yeah anyway thanks for listening and um
0: see you next time yep. until next time we'll see you later